Chapter Twenty Seven of Will Warburton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kolada. Will Warburton by George Gissing. Chapter Twenty Seven. Toward ten o'clock that evening. Warburton alighted from a train at Notting Hill Gate, and walked through heavy rain to the abode of Norbert Franks. With satisfaction, he saw the light at the great window of his studio, and learned from the servant who admitted him that Franks had no company. His friend received him with surprise. So long was it since Warburton had looked in unexpectedly. Nothing amiss, said Franks examining the hard-set face with its heavy eyes and cheeks sunken all right came to ask for news that's all news ah i understand there's no news still reflecting yes keeping away just to see how i like it sensible that don't you think warburton nodded the conversation did not promise much vivacity, for Franks looked tired, and the visitor seemed much occupied with his own thoughts. After a few words about a canvas which stood on the easel, another woman the artist was boldly transforming into loveliness. We remarked carelessly that he had spent the day at Ashstead. By Jove, I ought to go and see those people, said Franks better wait a little perhaps returned the otter with a smile miss elvin is with them ah lucky you told me not that it matters much added franks after a moment's reflection at all events as far as i'm concerned but it might be a little awkward for her how long is she staying will told all he knew of miss elvin's projects he went on to say that she seemed to him more thoughtful, more serious than in the old time. To be sure, she had but recently lost her father, and the subduing influence of that event might have done her good. You had a lot of talk, said Franks. Oh, we gossiped in the garden. Poor old Prophet has his gout, and couldn't come out with us. What do you think, by the by, of her chance of leaving by art? She says you have to. By that or something else, no doubt. Franks replied disinterestedly. I know her father had nothing to leave, nothing to make an income. Are her watercolors worth anything? Not much, I'm afraid. I can't quite see her living by anything of that sort. She's the amateur, pure and simple now bertha cross there's the kind of girl who does work and gets paid for it in her modest line bertha is a real artist i do wish you knew her warburton so you have said a good many times remarked will but i don't see how it would help you i know miss elvin and he paused as if musing on a thought and what asked franks impatiently nothing except that i like her better than i used to as he spoke he stood up well i can't stay it's raining like the devil 
I wanted to know whether you'd done anything decisive. That's all. I'll let you know when I do, answered Franks, suppressing a yawn. Good night, old man. For a fortnight, Warburton led his vaunted life, shut off as usual from the outer world. About this time, Austin began to observe with anxiety the change in his master's aspect and general behavior. I'm afraid you're not feeling quite yourself, sir, he said at closing time one night. I've noticed lately you don't seem quite well. Have you? Well, perhaps you are right, but it doesn't matter. If you excuse me, sir, returned the assistant, I'm afraid it does matter. I hope, sir, you won't think I speak disrespectful, but I've been noticing that you did seem to care about waiting on customers lately. You've noticed that? I have, sir, if the truth must be told, and I kept saying to myself as it wasn't like you. What I'm afraid of, sir, if you don't mind me saying it, is that the customers themselves are beginning to notice it. Mrs. Kipling said to me yesterday, What's come to Mr. Jollyman? She says, He hasn't a civil word for me. She says, Of course, I made out as you've been suffering from a bad headache, and I should wonder if that's the truth, sir. Warburton set his teeth and said nothing. You wouldn't like to take a little holiday, sir, returned Oshin. This next week, I could manage well enough. It might do you good, sir, to have a mouthful of sea air. I'll think about it, broke into utter abruptly. He was going away without another word. But in crossing the shop, he caught his henchman's eye, fixed on him with a troublous gaze. Self-reproach checked his steps. You're quite right, Arshin, he said in a confidential tone. I'm not quite up to the mark, and perhaps I should do well to take a holiday. Thank you for speaking about it. He walked home, and there, on his table, he found a letter from Franks, which he eagerly tore open. I have as good as decided, wrote the artist. Yesterday I went to Ashstead and saw R. We met like old friends, just as I wished, talked as naturally as you and I. I suspect, only suspect, of course, that she knows of my visits to Walham Green and smiles at them. Yes, as you say, I think she has improved, decidedly. The upshot of it all is that I shall call on the crosses again, and, when an opportunity offers, try my chance. I think I am acting sensibly, don't you? After reading this, Will paced about his room for an hour or two. Then he flung himself into bed, but got no sleep until past dawn. Rising at the usual hour, he told himself that this would not do. To live on in this way was mere moral suicide. He resolved to run down to St. Neots, whence, if his mother were capable of the journey, she and Jane might go for a week or two to the seaside. So, having packed his travelling bag, he walked to the shop and arranged with Aushin for a week's absence greatly to the assistant's satisfaction. Before noon, he was at the halls, but the idea of a family expedition to the seaside could not be carried out. Mrs. Warburton was not strong enough to leave home, 
and Jane had just invited a friend to come and spend a week with them. Disguising as best he could his miserable state of mind and body, Will stayed for a couple of days. The necessity for detailed lying about his affairs in London, lying which would long ago have been detected but for the absolute confidence of his mother and sister and the retired habits of their life, added another cause of unrest to those already tormenting him and he was glad to escape into solitude though with little faith in the remedy he betook himself to a quiet spot on the coast of norfolk associated with memories of holy day in childhood and there for the rest of the time he had allowed himself did what a man could do to get benefit from sea and sky and in these endless hours of solitude there grew upon him a perception of the veritable cause of his illness not loss of station not overwork not love but simply the lie to which he was committed there was the root of the matter slowly dimly he groped toward the fact that what rendered his life intolerable was its radical dishonesty lived openly avowedly it would have involved hardships indeed but nothing of this dull wretchedness which made the world a desert he began to see how much better how much easier it would have been to tell the truth two years ago his mother was not so weak-minded a woman as to be stricken down by loss of money and as for sherwood his folly merited more than the unpleasantness that might have resulted to him from disclosure grocerdom with a clear conscience would have been a totally different thing from grocerdom surreptitiously embraced instead of slinking into a corner for the performance of an honourable act he should have declared it frankly unaffectedly to all who had any claim upon him at once the enterprise became amusing interesting if it disgraced him with any of his acquaintances so much the worse for them all whose friendship was worth having would have shown only the more his friends as things stood he was ashamed degraded not by circumstances but by himself to undo it all to proclaim the truth was it not easy enough he had proved now that his business would yield income sufficient for his mother and sister as well as for his own needs the crisis was surmounted why not cast off this load of mean falsehood which was crushing him to the ground by heaven he would do so not immediately better wait until he had heard from jane that their mother was a little stronger which would probably be the case in a week or two but he declared in his mind the resolve was taken at the first favourable moment he would undo his folly before taking his step he must of course announce it to godfrey sherwood an unpleasant necessity but no matter he walked about the beach in a piping wind waved his arms talked to himself now and then raised a great shout and that night he slept soundly end of chapter twenty seven Recorded by Palada.